How do you do, Venters? Our guest today is the founder of Nix Check Cashing, Tom Nix. Tom is currently a public speaker and author of the book Nixland. Please listen as Tom will help us with writing affirmations. With Trent the Jet, they like agents on top of pavements, peppermint patty fragrance. Taking the credits when they spits and spritz a chip and dip a dip and dell. I pin the tail. Death throw the penalty ID, throwing identity theft crime in the night. Pick pop, keep the lock, stop, drop, roll the dice, double double dough, eat the rock road. Rochambeau, tic tac toe, crossing the road with the nice flow. With my energy, you see me room, room, play Monopoly with my commodities. Stop the eyes and cross the T's. T's. You do, Venters. Welcome today to this edition of Vent with Trent the Gent. And today I am close to home. I am in the city of Long Beach, but I am overlooking the, the Pacific Ocean and it's beautiful. And I am with um, my newfound friend. His name is Tom Nix, and you guys may know him um, as the founder of Nix Check Cashing and he recently has a, a a book well i don't know if it's recent but he has a book um called nixland um, a wild ride in the inner city check cashing industry and now more recently tom is doing some public speaking and so tom we want to welcome you to vent with trent the gym well thank you i'm glad to be here oh where it's a pleasure to have you here and I can't wait to share your story and some of your wisdom with, with the listeners. So we normally start in the beginning as when you were a kid. And obviously, um, I began reading your book and know a little bit about um, your childhood and how rough that was. Uh, and so my first question is going to be this one. Are you a lover or a fighter? And then you can get into your childhood. <laughs> well, that's a great question. I really wanted to be both. Mm. But um, when I grew up in San Pedro, uh, back in 1963, I went to San Pedro High School. And I got uh, made a bunch of friends, and we, I became a lowrider. And we, we, we did a bunch of cool guys. We formed a club called the Essex, E-S-S-E-X. And we had three objectives. One is get drunk. Two is get lucky with the girls, and that's where the lover comes in. <laughs> and uh, three was to fight anybody that looked at us in a hostile manner. So that was the objective, and our standard program was to cruise our lowrider cars up and down Pacific Avenue, which is the old drag in San Pedro, yes. drinking while we were driving, and we became very good at drunk driving. My goodness. Uh, looking for girls, looking for fights. So I guess you'd probably say I'm more of a fighter because it was really hard to hook up in those days. This was way before the sexual revolution, okay? Yes. But um, I got in dozens and dozens of fights, fist fights, not gang fights, but fist fights, fair fights in those days. And I was good at it. I enjoyed it. It was kind of like my hobby. And it was easy to get in a fight. All I had to do was stare at somebody. And if they stared back, nobody broke the gaze, fight was on. And so that was kind of the, the way we grew up. But fortunately, I was also a good student and a good football player, which gave me the opportunity to go to USC. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, just for my curiosity, so what type of lowrider did you 
have. And, and, and I guess another good question would be, how did you attain that, that lowrider? I worked for it. Um, I, I had part-time jobs. Uh, my first job was being a caddy at a golf course, at the Palos Verdes Golf Course. And I would hitchhike over there from San Pedro and sit in the back in the bullpen with all the guys. And, you know, a golfer would come in there with those crazy pants and everything like that. And we thought they were from the moon. And we'd be gambling. We're, I was just kids. I was about 14 or 15. And, um, but when we heard, they would ring a bell. So we'd all sit up and, and the guy would come back to where this kind of like bullpen was, the golfer, and he'd pick one of us out. And then, you know, we, had, we got a certain fee for it, but, and we got a hamburger for lunch, and they would give us a tip if we were good. So, but I, I had lots of different uh, jobs during uh, those days. I, was, I worked at a gas station, and I was able to buy a 1959 Chevy. This was... Um, Impala? Impala. Okay. And, and uh, I lowered it to the ground, got, went to Mexico, got tuck and roll interior. It was a midnight blue metal flake paint job. Had four bar hubcaps, straight pipes, little fuzzy mirror warmer, and blue and white teardrop knobs on my dashboard. So that was my, my cool car in those days. And these are bench seating, so my girlfriend could sit right next to me, yeah. unlike today. You got bucket seats. That's out. <laughs> and you got seat belts. We didn't have seat belts. Yeah, exactly. So uh, no um, dog bobblehead in that car. Well, I, <laughs> I always think of that. Well, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay. Yes, I had a little football player in the back window oh. with a bobblehead and my my number written on uh, on the uniform. Oh, nice. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so we talked about fighting a little bit. And in your book, you refer to your family fight song. Now, yes. hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot. And, you know. Well, I can sing that song for you. Okay, yeah, that's what I'm going to say. If, if you know it, so this, we would love to, to hear it. This is a, uh, a song that was patterned after the San Pedro High School fight song. Which I don't know. And uh, that was patterned after Notre Dame's song. Okay, I might know that if I hear it. Yeah, so why fight for the family Knicks? You ask the questions, we give you the fix. We are great and we are grand. We are the best family in the land. We have the spirit, we have the fight. We have the power, we have the might. We will win in life, you'll see. The Knicks family to victory. Boom. Boom. <laughs> That's awesome. I always got to clap after someone sings on Bit with Truth and Jam. So explain to the listeners the, the impetus of that and how it came about and is it still around today? We still do this today. I do it with my grandkids and basically our routine is when we get into a car, I say we're off and they say like a dirty shirt <laughs> and then we sing our fight song. <laughs> it's like um, in there like swimwear. So we're off like, <laughs> like a dirty shirt. I love that. Um, Keeping with singing, so a, a dream of mine, which I guess is kind of fulfilled because I shared with you the intro to the, the rap song to Vent with Trent the Gent is my daughter singing, and so obviously she says Trent the Gent, so she mentions my name, but really a dream of mine is to be mentioned in someone's rap song other than my daughter's. And so I heard that Nick's check cashing was mentioned in a Beastie Boys song, so do you remember the name of that song and 
And do you know the lyrics? If not, I think I wrote down the lyrics and I can share it. Well, the name of the song was High Plains Drifter. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, I'm dashing, I'm crashing, I'm phony paper passing at Nick's check cashing. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, exactly. That is, uh, when you first heard that, or when someone told you about it, how, how did that make you feel? I was very proud about it. Yeah. And we got, we were on uh, In Living Color, you know, remember that? Yeah, the, the, uh, love that show. Yeah, we they had a sp- spoof on Nick's uh, on that show, too. Oh, did, did you mention that one in the book? Because I know no, you mentioned I, I Mad didn't, TV. I didn't but, mention that one. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. So, so it, do you remember what that one, what, what they did on In Living Color? Because that must have been hilarious, right? Yeah, I, I don't but, remember exactly. Really? But, but it was, we're proud of it. Uh-huh. Because really what it meant to you is that we were... A uh, you know a part of the community, a, a well recognized part of the community. Yeah. And so yeah, if you're going to be paper bad paper passing, you're going to go to Nick's check cashing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. Um, so when they did the spoof in Living Color and Mad TV, did did how does that work? Do they have to call someone in your company and get that authorized? They didn't. So, no. Well, somebody, should they add? No, I don't. It didn't matter to me, but. You know, somebody called me and said, hey, you're on TV. And I what? Nix is on TV. So that's, you know, we looked it up and found it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's funny. So it's probably on So YouTube. the Beastie Boys and the rest of them did not uh, get my permission to do any of that. Mm. But I, well, I, see, love the, I, I love the, I the free publicity. Yeah, exactly. And I would have thought that the Beastie Boys, at least on a record, they would say, okay, we might want to get somebody's permission. To, to do this, so nope. they they lived unscathed there, and and they didn't know who they were messing with. They didn't, mess, <laughs> didn't know that you would come and kick their behinds. <laughs> um, so also in the book, you mentioned that something that affected your life immensely was when you read "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill. Yes, and I think most of us are familiar with with that book. Um, how? I mean, just explain how that book impacted your life, and has there been a, a book since then that has impacted you um, as much as that one? Well, there has. Uh, I'll answer the last question first. Mm-hmm. No, that thing, that book, "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill, was a game changer for me. Wow. It, it launched me on a crusade for about ten years of listening to self-help tapes, going to seminars, trying to figure out how to be successful. And trying to figure out how to be happy wasn't all that happy as a young man and it's from that experience as well as my life experiences that i came up with what i call life's key concepts 10 concepts that i've used to literally transform my life and have you know success beyond my wildest imaginations and happiness because it's not all about success a lot of it's about happiness mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that's how it started, and I, uh, I really credit my good friend Mike Trapani, who dogged me into doing it. And I finally agreed to listen to Think and Grow Rich, and that was a turning point in my life. Yeah. So you have the 10 Life's Keys concepts, and so that's, that's a lot. So I don't, are, are there some that you want to touch on more than, than others that you think the listeners should know? And yeah, I'd like, wow. to, I'd like to talk to uh, your listeners about the number one concept, which is that you can change your life if you change your mind. And so what I, under, what I came to understand is that you can uh, harness the power of attraction, the law of attraction, 
with the use of affirmations, visualization, positive mental self-talks, and pictures. And so the power of attraction is a, a really simple concept. You get what you think about. So whatever you put in your conscious mind goes into your subconscious mind, and your subconscious mind goes about attracting the things that you need to have that those mindsets accomplished in your life. And the amazing part about it is that it's a natural law of the universe. It works whether or not you know about it, believe it, or understand it. And it's the same way as gravity. Gravity is a natural law of the universe. Yes. And it's going to work whether you know about it, believe in it, or understand it. And so this is working in everyone's life. And so you can manage your mindset through affirmations in these other four ways. Uh, I was very big on affirmations. And an affirmation is really a statement about what you want in life as if you already have it. And you have to be careful to avoid using the words no or not or don't. So you want to affirm what you want, not what you don't want. And you have to uh, avoid using the words will or going to, which refers to it happening in the future. So it's a pretty simple process. Um, one example is I used to be very intense and have a terrible, per terrible temper. And I resolved that with this affirmation. I am calm, composed, professional, easily recognizing the non-event. So that uh, resolved that personality deficiency in pretty short order. But you notice I didn't say I no longer lose my temper or I don't lose my temper because that would actually, the, the key word is temper. And that would be what would be going into your subconscious mind. It would actually make you lose your temper more. And I didn't say... I will become calm, composed, professional. I am calm, composed, professional. So that's just an example of how to write those affirmations. Yes. So I was thinking, and I'm always on top, or as the kids say these days, on the head of, of the educational system. How, so this is a law, why wouldn't, our educational system be, be teaching us how to write affirmations and to write them properly. And because how would the world look if they were teaching that in school? Well, it would look completely different. But, you know, the, um, there's really not that big of segment of our population that's aware of how powerful affirmations and visualization and, and positive mental self-talks and pictures can be for your life. I mean, it's kind of, uh, it's, it's not that well known. And that's one of my yeah. missions is to get this out there. I mean, you can look, get a picture of what you want and look at it frequently and um, get that into your subconscious mind. And somewhere down the line, it's likely to happen. In the same way with self-talks. We're all having a conversation with ourselves. The question is, what are you saying? Mm -hmm. Most of us, or many of us, say things that actually detract from our happiness and from our success and from our ability to achieve the goals that we set for ourselves. And the thing about the subconscious mind, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, take a joke. Mm -hmm. So when you're thinking, gee, I'm fat and I can't lose <laughs> weight, you're just helping yourself be fat, be fat and not lose weight. Yeah. So it's very important to have the discipline to catch yourself when you're saying something negative in your self-talk 
and turn it around and say, you know what, I can do this. I can handle this and I can handle more. Yeah. And you can talk yourself into that positive mindset. You can also follow up with a, an affirmation. When you have a challenge that's uh, bothering you, you can then write an affirmation about it. And of course, visualization is very, very common now in sports. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the main thing uh, athletes do is they visualize them performing their sport to the T and they actually perform better. So these things, it's out there, but in my experience, it's, it's, it's not a common knowledge wow. how powerful these things can be. For another example is I used to be 30 pounds overweight. And I... Um, what year was this or how old were you? I was in... Well, I was, when I was a football player, I was, I was about 225. Okay. Which isn't big today, but it was bigger in those days. But uh, then after I quit football, though, you know, all that muscle and yes. everything... Like made that. me fat. <laughs> and um, so, you went to so no, uh, but oh. but I went from from there to about 190 to 195 using this affirmation. I maintain my highly disciplined, strict exercise and dietary program for the rest of my life and weigh 190 to 195 pounds. I I eat a moderate amount of protein, a small amount of fat, one or two fruits per day, and lots of pure, clean, healthy, refreshing water. I only eat bread on an open-faced sandwich and eat a very, very small amount of beans, corn, pasta, potatoes, rice, and sugar. I forgot one part. I eat lots of vegetables. That's in there, too. But the point is, programmed myself to not only exercise, but also to make the right food choices and add that to a positive mental attitude. And those are the three things you need to do to uh, get a hold of yourself physically. So I lost that 30 pounds. I've kept it off now for close to 40 years. Wow. And it works. That'll work for anybody. And you, by the way, they can get this uh, affirmation on my uh, website. Great. And normally at the end, well, you can say it now, but we normally give you a chance to say all that. But you can say the website right now. Well, the, the website is nixland.net. So that's N is in November, I-X-L-A-N-D.net. So go there and you can... Um, you can get a copy of Life's Key Concepts and look, look under speaking engagements and print yourself out a free copy of these 10 concepts. They will change your life. Wow. And on, that, on that paper also is my uh, affirmation about diets. That's awesome. Um, I got my copy mentor, so I'll uh, get yours. So that brings me back to the initial question. So you, you said that most don't know about the power of these affirmations and the power of positive thinking. But there's been books upon books on this subject. Someone in education has to know the power of this. So it, it just kind of baffles me because these are really right, life's key concepts. These are the life skills that we really need to know. They took away um, woodworking and home ec and all they took away all that stuff from us but you know give us some things that are really going to help us in life not i'm not saying that math doesn't matter english doesn't matter but these things could really change your life so kind of baffled why yeah and i am too i don't i don't have the answer to that but yeah now in my experience even though it's out there and you can google a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff and find tons of information yeah. the normal person is not aware of it yeah 
And so they're missing out on a yeah, great opportunity. That's the same. And like you said, and if we did, the world would be uh, much different. Let's get into some of the segments that we normally do on Vent with Trent the Gent. And uh, let's do the, um, sometimes we do Invent with Trent the Gent, which would be the best invention ever invented. Sometimes we do Lent with Trent the Gent. What have you given up for Lent if you do that? With you, Tom, we're going to do Spent with Trent the Gent. Uh, because I'm interested to do this, the best money you ever spent. But the best money you ever spent while building Nick's check cashing, what was the best money you ever spent and why? Well, I don't know if I have a specific answer to the money part, but let me tell you that um, building a team was the best thing that I did at Nick's check cashing. A team of people that could provide fast, friendly, courteous service at a fair and reasonable price from locations that were clean and well-maintained and professionally staffed. That was our motto and that's what we did. We, At the end, when we sold the company, we had 60 locations, 450 employees, and served 400,000 satisfied customers every month. I mean, it was really something. Yeah. People loved our company because we were focused on customer service. We spent a lot of money on uh, worthwhile community causes. We had our own food drive. We had our own scholarship program. So giving back to the community was very important. And no, it's not specifically to answer your question, but building that company was uh, my life's work. Yeah. Well, no, that's, that's a great answer. So let's, let's, let's ask it this way. <laughs> while building, and, and this probably is the same answer, but while building Nick's check cashing, what was more important? Other people's money, OPM, as they say, or other people's contacts or contacts? What, and sometimes people say, well, the contacts are the monies, and I know you raised a, a lot of money um, right. During that, so what was what was more important during that, that whole process? Other people's money or other people's contacts, the actual contacts? Well, that's a trick question because the most important thing was customer service. Mm -hmm. Focused on delivering customer service, service, outstanding customer service day in and day out is a huge challenge for any organization, and so that's where we focused our time. We had a burning desire to do that. We had figured out a, a number of management policies and teamwork to uh, make sure that we could that we could actually do that and that's why I say team is important we had we had a team that really could deliver fantastic customer service our our, um, our philosophy was to go about business with a high level of integrity a strong sense of fair play compassion and being an integral part of the communities we served so we asked everybody in the company that was in a decision-making position to make sure that they did the right, fair, honest, honorable thing by everybody, by the company, by the employees, by the customer, by the vendors, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I have to say I have a, a, a big debt of gratitude to about 100 people that were willing to invest in my dream. Uh, in 1982, we had four locations. We wanted to expand, couldn't get any money from the banks, and so we began raising uh, equity capital through the formation of private limited partnerships. And I went out and sold that to friends and relatives and business contacts, so contacts are important. 
And the way I sold it is just give them, sell them on taking a tour of the business. Come down and see it. And if they did, if I could sell that, I would sell about 80, 90% of them would buy a, an investment from me. Yeah. So we were able to uh, raise $4.6 million over about four year period with eight limited partnerships. We expanded the company to 19 stores, developed the first point of sale computer system that communicated transaction data timely within the industry. And, uh, you know, really that was the launching pad for building a much bigger company. One of the other things I'm proud of is that we, I spearheaded legislation in the state of California that regulated check cashing industry. Because in the old days, there was a lot of price gouging going on and shabby locations. And so I didn't want to be part of that. Yes. So we, we uh, cut legislation in 1990, 1991 that required check cashers to charge no more than 3% when cashing a payroll or government check, 3.5% if the customer didn't have ID, required them to post their fees in a conspicuous and prominent matter, manner, uh, give a receipt with each transaction and file with the state attorney general so somebody had somewhere to complain if they weren't doing it. That really, really um, changed the industry because if you, you had to compete then. Yes. You couldn't be a dastardly operator. Yeah. So... If the listeners would read the book, and if they know anything about you, they know that you actually, uh, the community was very important to you. Yes. Um, do you feel that the average person, let's say the average person, would think that you were part of that CD industry taking advantage of the people in, in that community? I think right. most people, well, there, there's two answers to that question. The people in the inner city thought we were their hero. Mm -hmm. People outside of it that yes. didn't understand it thought, well, you know, he's, he's a bottom feeder, taking advantage of people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I always had to overcome that objection. And, you know, quite frequently, one of the regulators would, or a legislator would want to come and uh, really regulate us out of business. And we, we got to put an end to this. And I said, well, come down and take a look at it. And every single time they walked away saying, oh, my God, we had no idea. Wow. So, yeah, and, and it's still the same today. And, and partly because, you know, if you do your business with a bank, you don't understand why anybody would use a check cashier. Mm -hmm. And we didn't either, really. When, when we opened our first location, which was in 1978, we did it on the corner of Imperial and Figueroa. And in one year's time, we're cashing a million dollars a week in checks. A million dollars a week. I mean, who knew? Exactly. So the foundation of any successful business is to find a need and fill it. Every successful business requires that. But why was there so much need? There were banks everywhere in the inner city in those days. Mm -hmm. And what we discovered is for a low-income person living paycheck to paycheck, going to banks is just not a very good option. Banks not in the check cashing business. You have to have at least enough balance in the account to cover the amount of the check. If you don't, they put a hold on your check. Not good if you need your money. Exactly. Um, in addition to that, the cost associated with doing banking for a low-income person compared to check cash was, was, was competitive. Mm -hmm. Banks charge a minimum balance fee. They charge a fee for a minimum balance account. Yes. They charge 3 to $5 for a money order. 
charge 30 to 35 dollars if you or 25 to 35 dollars if you bounced a check and whoever gave the check to you charged you another 25 30 dollars so you wrapped up the free the fees that normally normally were experienced by somebody compared them with nicks we charge one percent to cash your check and sold you money orders for 49 cents so our average check was uh, $300, it's three bucks to cash your check. And you got your money orders paid for 49 cents. By the end, uh, 30 years later, we were charging a little over 2% and giving five free money orders with, uh, with each transaction. Still competitive, because banks had gone up in their prices mm -hmm. as well. But um, the other thing that, that was, uh, fueling our, our business is we had the products that people needed. Not only check cashing and money orders, but also bill payment, uh, prepaid MasterCards, prepaid credit cards, and money transfer. Can't find them at the bank in those days for yeah. sure. And uh, we get better service. We were open from nine to seven, seven days a week. So okay. for a working person, that was very convenient. So all of those things gave us the ability to compete with the banks at a time where there are banks everywhere in the inner city. Now, by the early 80s, banks started moving out, and that created even more demand. Mm -hmm. But we found that demand uh, way back when. Yeah. And I don't know what the question was, but I'm, I'm well, glad I told you like the answer. I said, you, you are a hero, but yeah, the question was, how do they perceive you outside of the, of the neighborhood? Yeah. And you answered that. Let's... Um, yeah, we won't we won't do that one. <laughs> let's let's do this one, we, and we do this one every um, bit with Trent the Gent, and so we we have to continue. So, are you left-handed or right-handed? Right-handed. Right-handed, and most of my list, most of my guests are usually right-handed. Are you left-brained or right-brained? Uh, I think I'm more left-brained. More left-brained. Isn't the right brain the creative yes. side? Yeah, yeah, I'm more left-brained. Analytical. Yeah. And that's by nature. I mean, we're, are you yeah, by nature? That? By yeah. nature, I'm uh, very organized. Mm -hmm. You know, very uh, conscientious and less likely to be a good painter or wood craftsman or anything else. Yeah. So, but wouldn't sales be a part of that creative size? Because obviously, you got into sales mm -hmm. there a little bit, and you. We're very well. Well, at I mean, that. everybody so, has some of each. Okay. But primarily for me, yeah, it's it's a left brain. Yeah. Deal. Good. Um, here, let, let's go back to the the, the little fight um, theme. In your opinion, who was the greatest fighter of all time? Muhammad Ali. He said that like without a doubt. Without a doubt. He was Rocky a butt kicker. Marciano. I mean, there's no, that, no, that, he's that, a, <laughs> Come on, so you know that, that. Oh, I just wanted to see what <laughs> we all don't think the same, right? But Muhammad Ali, the greatest of all time, as he said. So That's good. Right. And I agree with him. I, I, I do too. I met him a couple times. Oh. In, in the later days. Uh-huh. Yeah. And nice guy. How how did you how did you meet? Well him? different different events, community events and stuff like that. And he mm -hmm. would be there and we would be there. And you know, he was supporting them, we were supporting them. Yeah. And uh nice yeah. guy. Let's do another segment that we always do, and this is the fill in the blank segment. Okay. All right. So I'm going to say a couple of words, and you're going to fill in the blank, and then I might have you expound on it. So don't stop 
trying. Don't stop trying. Expound on that. Well, uh, success boils down to three things. It's your attitude, your desire, and your choice making. And so if you have a strong desire, it will ensure that you're not going to sit on the sidelines. In other words, you've got to get up when you get knocked down. And you've got to stay focused on being tenacious about whatever you want in life. I mean, if you want to be a great guitar player, you've got to, you've got to work at it, right? Mm -hmm. And so don't give up. Don't give up. Keep trying until you get to be the person you want to be. Yeah. Second one, you can blank. You can, you can achieve anything that you can conceive and believe. Okay. And so obviously this is in your wheelhouse of your positive thinking. And obviously someone has answered that one that way before. Now for the listener that's out there and they don't understand the power of affirmations and positive thinking, how, so, so tell us about a time where you conceived of something, and obviously it could be Nick's check <laughs> but maybe other than Nick's that you've conceived of something and it actually happened and you achieved it. Well, um, how about marrying my high school sweetheart? Mm. She broke up with me every two weeks. She was really fickle. And um, I would not give up. Uh, I would date one of her friends. She'd call me up and we'd go back together. <laughs> that's a good way to get her that's, back That's up. the way I did. <laughs> but this is kind of a uh, side note. But she, finally, she comes to me and she says, look, you don't get it. She goes, I don't want a nice guy bringing me flowers, you know, showering with me with all these. She goes, I want you to be in charge. I want you to, I like, I like the bad boys. So quit let me wrap you around my finger. If you want to be with me, you know, man up. Yeah. I mean, like, wow, what? Who to, you know, what woman tells you that? So that was easy. I made the switch. I mean, I couldn't understand. I didn't want to be that guy, but I yeah. was. And I became it. And I, I got here. We've been, uh, we dated for five and a half years, got married when I graduated from USC in 1970. So we've been married 48 and a half years. So that yeah. was a big accomplishment. Yes. But the ironic thing was, probably before you met her, right, you were the bad boy. Yeah, I was. Right? And you kind of gotten out of those ways, and then you know you have to do what you have to do to, to, to get the girl. All right, number three of the fill in the blanks. Conversations are interesting and necessary. I think it's important for people to have social contacts and to uh, have an open mind to listen to people's different points of view. Some of some things that nowadays are you know, are very difficult for a lot of people to hear different points of view. Um, but that's what I would say. One of my blessings in life was to have um, a gal that worked for me named Darlene Gavin, African-American woman who became my vice president of operations. And she always used to say, look, we're, we're all affected by how our life experiences. So she came at life completely different than I did on many, many subjects. Of course. 
but we had that conversation about everything. So she helped me grow in ways that I didn't expect and I did with her and she worked for me for 40 years. We're still best friends. Yeah. Um, we're gonna run out of time here, but I wanna mention this to you. We can talk about it offline. I have a group and I would love for you to, to come if you could. We meet um, once a month on a Sunday. So I don't know how busy your Sundays are, but it's called Black and White for Right. And we're a group of individuals. And now we've, we've opened it up to other races, other genders. Um, but initially, we were a group of uh, half the room were African-American gentlemen. Other half were Caucasian gentlemen. And we felt like the problems, you know, the ills of the world is because we didn't understand each other. And we don't talk. We don't have conversations. Right. So we're having open, um, respectful conversations um, on, on a Sunday, and we're hoping that this happens all throughout America at, at some point. So I would love for you to come and, and be a, a, a guest. Well, let me ask you, could I come down and get, be a speaker, guest speaker for you? Yeah, totally. All right, so what I'd like to totally. do is come down, uh, tell a little bit about growing up and mm -hmm. a, a little of the high points of my business, but focus on these 10 concepts. That would be excellent. And then we'll have a Q&A, and that's usually the best part. Just okay. like this one. Yes, exactly. And uh, then we can discuss anything that's on anybody's yeah. mind. And, and my, you know, my approach to it, my view. Not necessarily right, but, yeah. you know, I'll share right. it. I'm going to take you up on that, Tom. So. All right. <laughs> All right, great. Look, I look forward to it. Thanks for offering it. Uh, let's do this one. Um, do you still think, because this was in your book, and you said um, you thought it was normal for the average person, speaking of average people, to contemplate suicide. So do you still think that the average person contemplates suicide? Absolutely right. not. No, that was, a, that was a misunderstanding of mine. I mean, I did have suicidal thoughts, but um, as you know from the book, I, I met a couple of gals and they said, I was in the LA County Reserve Deputy Sheriff down in Firestone, which is a really rough station. And they said, hey, we know why you went down there because you're suicidal, you wanna get killed. And exactly. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I have suicidal thoughts from time to time, but doesn't everybody? They go, no, it's very abnormal. So I went around and I, I actually surveyed a, a lot of my friends and neighbors and stuff, and I found out it was very abnormal. Mm -hmm. You know, I, th I don't think most people have those kind of thoughts. Yeah. It's actually very unhealthy. Yeah, totally. Well, like I said, I, I know... By the way, I don't have them anymore. <laughs> I, I haven't had them in 40 years, so... Exactly. I got over that. You have gotten over that. So, as I said, we're going to give the um, listeners an opportunity to, to reach you, if it's social media, your email, website, whatever it is. Um, so, why, why don't we do that right now? What's well, I'd love people to go to my website, which is nixland.net, N-I-X-L-A-N-D.net. The homepage talks about the book, but there's a bunch of uh, tabs that you can click. One is um, the speaking engagements, and you'll see there my life's key concepts. Also, a lot of comments from people that, that have been to my presentations. Very impressive. Um, there's a tab about reviews, which are book reviews. And also I have video memorabilia. And so on that particular tab, I've got video from the riots and all kinds of different things that we experience from Nick's. So I think people will enjoy uh, looking at that and 
And, it, and if they uh, want a good story, read uh, Nick's Land. Yes, it is an excellent read. And um, so nixland.net, N I X L A N D. Good. Well, Tom, um, I know we're about to go to lunch here, so uh, we're, we're both probably getting hungry. But I can't thank you enough for, for doing this and sitting down with me and um, opening up yourself to the listeners. And, you know, just the life's keys concepts, right? Like if they go onto your site and if they just download those and read those and learn more about affirmations, I mean, I'm with you. I think, and I hope your crusade, right, to, to make that more aware, I hope you much success in, in that crusade. Because like I said, I think if we can um, expose enough people to that, that'll be a, a great way to, to change it, or let's say affect the, the world. So I want to thank you for coming on and sharing and um, being a guest on Ben Patrick the Gym. Well, thank you, Trent. It was, it's been my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. Actually, I've had a lot of questions here I've never heard before, so <laughs> you kept me thinking. Good. It, was, it was a lot of fun, and I appreciate you having me. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Venters, we're off like a shirt, pun intended.